Gentlemen, how we doing? Fantastic. Another Good. beautiful day. We got Dylan in here. We got our buddy Jay Rush in the house. And my son Michael joined us today. Uh, he's not going to say anything. He's just sitting over there in the corner. Um, we uh, haven't seen each other in a while or talked in a while because you just got over COVID. Yeah, my well, my wife and daughter both got it out of state. They were in Vegas for two weeks. I went down to try to rescue them, came home with COVID. It's pretty sweet. How's that taste and smell coming along? It's back. Oh, back. Yeah. Well, uh, probably 75% back, I think. Some stuff I still don't got, but most of it. That's pretty solid. Yeah, you don't get this fat and not be able to taste stuff, too, so I need it back fast, as fast yeah, as I can get it. That's been hard on you. Yes, it, it has really, really messed with the brain. Yeah. My wife actually had a cold recently and tested negative for COVID, but also lost taste and smell, so I'm pretty sure she probably had it, but she's starting to get it back already, too, and she's about three or four weeks into it. She didn't have it for three or four weeks? No, she's three or four weeks in the whole ordeal. Oh. So she was sick and she's like the last, you know, two plus weeks, she hasn't been able to taste or smell. So I've been just hanging out and working on the property. We went from winter to summer in Oregon. So we went from, you know, 30 to 50 degrees to 70 to 90. And so I had about 30 inches of grass that I mowed on about three or four acres of my property that I mow. So I had to go real, real slow, try not to. So I borrow my neighbor's John Deere from him. And this thing was like a $25,000 tractor way back in the day. So now in the new COVID, you know, exploitation timeline, it would probably be like an $80,000 tractor. Probably. If you could get your hands on it, you know. And so um, I went really, really slow. I mowed all last weekend for like 12 hours of mowing between Saturday and Sunday. And then I weed whacked another probably six, seven hours around every tree. I've got, I figure I've got to have 400 to 500 oak trees on my place. You've been out there. Yeah, I'd say so. My neighbor, he cut down a bunch of trees on his place. And then I would have thought 15 trees. And I asked him how many, because he's putting in a shop and it was 55. (laughs) So it's like, it's so hard. But when you're weed weed whacking around each one of them, you really notice how many trees you've got. My favorite part of the first time I was at your place, you asked me to come help you split some wood. And I show up and you're like, oh, it's not that much wood. You know, we'll just take just a couple hours. I show up, there's like 78 logs on the ground. And I just sit there like, what do you mean? This is, you mean a few months to do all this? Yeah, we split wood for like eight (laughs) hours straight. And that part of that pile is still there. Did he make a dent? Grossly underestimated that. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't be a good at like an estimator of any type of any type of industry. That would not be my forte. Yeah. yeah. But it's been a lot of work. And then today I burned the burn pile. And, uh, but my place is looking good. It's a lot of work. But once you get it all done, then maintaining it, it's a lot easier, you know. But it's so weird to go straight from winter to summer. Like we never really got a spring. And I don't know if we're still going to get a little bit of rain and if it's going to cool down a little bit. I haven't heard the. Yeah, it's definitely not good for a fat guy. No, uh-uh. Well, that's why I got the office job, though, so I don't have to work outside anymore. So uh, elaborate, Jay Rush. I mean, are you talking about it's the, a little the, sweaty The temperature swing yeah. is just not good, not good. You got to have, you got to acclimate. So. Yeah. There's no acclimation time. <laughs> no. 
Yeah, my place looks like Jurassic Park movie right now. That's what it looks like. All the weeds are it's just ridiculous, man. It's got its own uh ecosystem yeah, going it's, on. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's a nature study. Yeah. yeah. To all my neighbors, I'll get it done. Well, Almost. what's nice is you do want to get out there and go do some stuff. And so that's uh when the weather gets better, then that motivates me. I was supposed to go bass fishing last week, but it didn't work out. I am actually volunteering as a um, like fishing buddy for that Cast for Kids program on the second of June. Oh, so, nice! Yeah, I got asked to do that, and it's you get to fish with a kid from like seven o'clock in the morning till one o'clock in the afternoon, kind of thing. And their parent or guardian is with them as well. Um, but you're just basically taking fish off and helping them bend hooks. You know, you got a pair of pliers and all the rest of the gear is there and helping them try to catch fish. So Where, not, where's that at? It's going to be out in Jefferson. Um, I guess it's an annual event. It's my first time going to it. I'm excited about it, though. I think it'll be pretty cool. That'll be really cool. And you said all the gears there. like Yeah, Cast for Kids provides everything for the child. They get a T-shirt and stuff, too. And um, it's, you know, for kids with disabilities and challenges, you know, that you get to come. And so it's, it's an opportunity to make the day all about them and uh, try to get a fish on the bank so that's really cool nice that'll be fun that'll get me out doing something i need to it's hard it's like i want to do all these things but finding time to do it and now all i've done is take care of my yard you know yeah so. yeah that's all you had time for yeah busy man that's what we call you yeah well we got some other things coming up so we got uh your best buddy john who's been on the show a few times is gonna get married so uh, you're planning a bachelor party for him yep. over in one of our hunting locations, undisclosed. Yep. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, well, first of all, we need to come up with just a plan, probably. We're not doing a very good job with that part, or at least I'm not. We should record this plan, because then we'll have to commit to it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> then it's out there forever. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, like the food list, I'm going to be gone the whole week before, so... I'm not exactly sure how that's going to all play out with groceries and stuff. Just leave it to John. I'm sure it'll be fun. Yeah, yeah I'll it, just dump it, it all hand. on the groom's hand. Yeah, yeah that's hey, how man. bachelor parties work, right? You just say, hey, could you plan everything? We'll show up. Yeah, yeah. we'll Venmo you later, too. <laughs> <laughs> you just you cover the bill, and we'll make sure you get some money back. Yeah. No, I'm excited. It's uh, The older you get, the less bachelor parties you get to go to, mm-hmm. so... Uh, whenever I get invited to one, I, I barely have to know the groom. I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm oh, wherever, yeah. wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, sign me up. Well, this one's going to be a blast though. Yes. We haven't been back to this unit too in two years. Yeah. So we're going to get out in the woods, camp, probably bring some shotguns. We can bring, I, I got it, my new six, five PRC. So I want to shoot that thing. Uh, we'll bring, uh, I don't know, 22s probably. Yeah. Well, I was singing with 22s. Well, actually, the groom had this idea, like play a cup pong, Mm. but with your 22s, you like make a bunch of circles on cardboard, shoot those, and then go from there, last one standing wins. Yeah, that sounds fun. Type of thing. Yeah. We got some golf activities happening. Oh, that's right. You wanted to incorporate a little golf. Yep. I looked into biodegradable golf balls. They were so expensive. I told you on the phone, but I can't remember, but it was like... Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was insane. Like 60 balls for $300, like five bucks a piece or something. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So I was like, let's just... Aren't they made out of fish food? (laughs) 
Like they feed could, the fish? We could just get a bunch of fish food. Yeah, I was just going to bring some of those <laughs> wiffle type, you know. Well, I had no. another idea to where we probably aren't going to lose any. We'll just have, like, bring a sand wedge. Mm-hmm. And then I'm buying this net. It's like a beanbag toss for kids. And they have a bunch of little holes on this mesh mat. And then you just, we'll just chip into that. There's you points on it. You don't think we'll it. lose any balls with that? Have you ever seen me? Well, I, but we will probably be able to find most of them. It's going to be, I bet we get an 85% return on golf balls. But, and let's talk about this. We're not exactly your typical golfing looking crew. Like if you wouldn't look at us, be like, those guys are golfers. Yeah. Uh, my pants. pants. Yeah. I mean, those look like golf pants. Yeah, they are golf pants. Yeah. Uh, Dylan did host the West Slope Invitational here recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was what about, how many of us out there? There's 13. 13, it's unofficial. Slope invitation. <laughs> Thirteen golfers. Uh, it was. What was the best score? Do you remember? I don't even think we decided on the best score. We just kind of went back in the clubhouse and just said, hey, "Hey, did you? How'd you guys do? I don't know." Type of thing. Well, your dad said he had the best score for the whole course ever. Yeah, but that's a typical response from. He says that every time we golf, and he's shooting one thirty probably every time. <laughs> It was fun, though. We had a good, a good time. time. It was nice to get out and see everybody and just have some fun. And what do you got on your hat, Jay Rush? You got Bar 7 Ranch, first annual testicle festival. Keep oh, yeah. ranching. Yep. So have you attended that event? No, no. Okay. And what is curious. that event? Have you looked into it? You don't want to know. <laughs> it's, it's probably, a, I mean, there's a picture of a ram on there, so I'm guessing it's a lamb fry Oh, yeah. yeah. Contest. That's what it is. Yeah. That, I've. I mean, you've tried mule deer nuts. And it's the worst thing in the world. You weren't a big fan of it. Mm-mm. I've yet to eat a testicle. I've eaten a lot of things, but right. I have not eaten any testes. Was that the year we you yep. got yours? Mm-hmm. Okay. It wasn't that bad. You tried no, it too. Well, actually, yeah, that wasn't as bad with the liver. I'm never going to eat liver again. Yeah, the li- it was better than the liver. 100% sure. better than the liver. It was well, like heart, nuts, then liver. Yeah. Ah, the trifecta. Yeah. yeah, we did it we all. We did it all. We did. And then we had... Uh, Something else. Did you do tongue? I always want to do tongue. No, it was a bird. Like a grouse or something? Yeah. That we shot over there? I don't remember, to be honest. I could be making all this up, too. I think you are. Everything grouse is good, though. You guys should try it. Everything blurs together after a while. uh, Let's talk about future episodes we have upcoming. So, um, you know, I work in the mortgage industry the lady across the parking lot from me that was here for years, she just retired. And so she was in the title company business. And when you're in the title company business, you're kind of in the public eye. So you have to be a little bit on the political correct side, I guess. I never knew she hunted the whole time. And she just went to New Zealand with her husband and did the the stag hunt over there. And then he got a tar and I think he got something else. But I just got their contact info. So I'm going to reach out to her and see if they want to come on and tell us about their New Zealand hunt. Because that's always, I mean, those stags, like that's the, like, I'm not really a trophy guy where I get all drooly about antlers, but they're so cool looking. Yeah. Those are awesome. Yeah. Um, and then we have one coming up too with uh, one of my good buddies, Cody Fox. I'm really excited about that one. He does a lot of outdoor photography and filming and stuff. He paints a bunch of out, outdoor stuff as well, and he's really good. So I'm excited to have him on. Yeah. We just got to put together the energy to get these people booked on the show. You know? Yeah. I mean, well, I had Cody booked and then I had to a little bit of Vegas. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, well, and if they're like Jay Rush and you got to, you know, they send you that big thing of what they got to have to get them here. Like we had to freshly grind his wheatgrass this morning. It had to be like 37 degrees. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not a degree a hotter. Yeah. And $54.38 was his number. It was weird. Yeah, we had to pay you too? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. You still we, I had John do it. I'm paying. She's about to yeah. get married. Yeah, the groom took yeah. care of it. <laughs> So, so back to the bachelor party. I think it's going to be awesome no matter what we do. It, it'll be a good time to have everybody. We'll, we'll bring some cornhole. We're going to figure out the food situation. We got some golf stuff going on. We got some shooting stuff. I think I mean, we should try to get this podcast equipment there. That if your dad's being bringing the travel trailer, I'm I'm on board with that. But yeah, I think is. otherwise, it'll be hard to plug it in. Yeah, it'd be difficult to figure out. Hear the generator running in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we are though. We're we're bringing it. I talked to him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think we load this all up. Michael, be you've been pretty quiet over there. I know you didn't want to be called upon, but you. What do you? How do you think this conversation is going so far? What's your opinion of it? Now get, and get your face close to that microphone. Um, it's fine. It's just a normal conversation, except for the part where you're eating testicles. <laughs> Yeah, I, I noticed you were chuckling a little bit or trying to hold that in when we were talking about the testes. So Michael's, uh, you know, 11 years old. And so he just had an all-day track meet at his school. So it's kind of a cool annual tradition. It's my first time volunteering at it. But we, my wife used to jump, uh, high jump in college and in high school. And so she runs the high jump section. So I was just you know, doing whatever she told me to do and watching a bunch of kids jump over. So typical life? Yeah. Yeah. It was a standard day in the life. Yep. Listen to the boss and do what she says. Yep. So I can well, understand that. I got a sweet sunburn on the back of my leg though. Oh, uh, you wore shorts? Yeah. No sunscreen. I did sunscreen up twice. Mm, not I enough. think it wasn't not enough. enough. I missed a couple spots. <laughs> Today was my first day where my wife, well, I mean, she didn't really have a choice. She had to trust me because she just got a new job, so she worked today. I spent the entire day with my daughter just one-on-one. -on -one. It was the best day ever. And that's the first time in eight months? Ten. Ten months. She's ten months now. Yeah. Man. Tay doesn't leave me alone very long. Yeah. Doesn't trust it. <laughs> doesn't trust it. <laughs> I think it's fair. Yeah. Well, she got but a lot went, of pudding, some a little Oreo for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> but it went good. You didn't give her any cow's milk or anything? Yeah, everything went great. Yeah, yeah. Good. We played a lot. She napped a lot. It was easy. Yeah, I mean, you got lucky. Yeah, yeah. there's good days and bad days. I remember the first time I took my daughter when she was real little somewhere, and I had to run into a real estate office, and it was cold outside. It wasn't hot. She was sleeping in the car, and I cracked the windows and ran in and took the things off. And I got home and I told Jen, "I, well, what'd you do with the baby?" I'm like, "Oh, she was sleeping. It was like five minutes." You do not leave a baby in a car. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. So. And by the time Michael came around, it was, you know, we did whatever. We yeah. didn't worry about it too much. Strap right, Mike? him to the roof. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, then another thing, too, um, back to the John's bachelor party thing. Are you wanting to leave on Friday as well with the rest of the group? Yeah, I'm down. Friday morning. Mortgage rates are high, so I got lots of free time right Good. now. So, yeah. yeah, I definitely can put my out of office on and. We can hit the road. And okay. my my other cousin, Dylan, whether he can join us or not, he lives over east, but he said he's got a case of moonshine for us. Obviously, it's illegal for him to sell that to us, but he will give us some. Nice. And it's pretty good. 
That's all we need. Yeah. So one other podcast topic that I haven't done a lot of research on that I want to talk about is when I was doing some family history research, I thought it'd be fun to just look up my own name, you know, because why not? I had access to this newspaper.com seven-day free trial. Uh, go for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I looked up my name and I found this guy, Sam Williams, who um, went all the way to the Supreme Port Court to get his uh, fishing rights back. So he was a Yakima Indian and uh, had to go all the way to the Supreme Court. He fished on the Columbia River near the Dalles, but he had let his license expire. So um, uh, he failed to reapply for his fishing license in 1915 and 1916, and he had to fight the Supreme Court. Or he got all the way to the Supreme Court, and they finally made a decision in 1920, and I believe gave him his fishing rights back. Jeez. But I think it's going to have a cool story, so I'm going to do a little more digging. I, that's just the tip of the iceberg, yeah. but just something to kind of... It's it's bizarro that someone with my name was doing something cool. Um, I imagine there's not a lot of Samuel Williams around. No, it's a very uncommon name. Yeah. yeah. Williams in general. Yeah. Like, it's funny around here, whenever anybody comes in, people are like, is that another one of your cousins? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I do a loan for somebody, it's like, that's got to be your cousin. <laughs> Just your family keeping you in business all these yeah, years. Yeah, keeping me fed. You're welcome. Yeah, got to keep me in the lifestyle I'm accustomed to, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, I did actually have a question because we talked with, like, my dad and, and Uncle Chris about some of those Eastern Oregon trips. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit more, just more like one-on-one with your experience with those guys. Yeah, I mean, they kind of like when we talked with them, it was more like that whole mentor thing, you know, just they were, they'd gone with the older guys a few times and had learned the ropes, and we were all new and young, and we weren't around those. Like, I wasn't around your dad or your uncle very often, really. Some family reunions a few times a year, but hunting, kind of like your dad was saying, is when we spent time with each other. Yeah. And so we would get over there and just start following them around. I know even as I got older, uh, Chris and Jason would always be giving me grief about not being very quiet. So, cause I was slow to upgrade my hunting equipment. So I was always in blue jeans and they're in these nice camo pants that are a little more made for stealth. And so I was doing the <laughs> with everyone walk, and they, they turn around, they'd look at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I remember being noisy when I'd go with them. But um, there's a lot of memories of just sitting around camp, you know, sitting around the campfire in our lawn chairs and whittling on a piece of wood or whatever, telling stories or listening, usually listening to our dads telling stories was more kind of the fun for us. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was it was a lot of good memories. And it's it's weird how fast it goes. Right. Like, you know, it's, you don't, you don't think about it when you're in the moment. You're just like, oh, this, we're just going to do this all the time. And then, you know, like we talked before, it's, you go in the, uh, the, the hunting album and you look at the last 15 years and it's three hunts. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, that's crazy to have almost two decades go by and, you know, only go on three or four hunts. So is your favorite one of those three, the 10 for 10? That was a really fun year, but I'm not a guy that's hung up on the success part of it. I want to be successful, but to me, being out there is just as important as anything else. So I can have just as much fun without, you know, bringing home some venison. I'd love to bring home deer meat, but if I don't, 
it's yeah. not the end of the world, you know. You guys did the cow hunt in the Ochicos back when it was separate, right? Yeah, we Do did. Do you remember what years that was? Oh, man. I mean, it's in that book somewhere, the year that I got my cow, but they did it probably over a period of 10 to 15 years, I would guess, um, where they were hunting over there. Yeah. Um, I only went on the cow elk hunt twice. So the first year I went was a year that we didn't have an adequate uh, tent set up, you know, and now we've gotten such a nice fancy tent that it's oh, yeah. way better. Um, but the, the second time I went was with my brother, Charlie, and we had both drawn tags and that's when I got my cow was that year. And it was, I mean, there was a lot of elk over there and there still is, but they've kind of, even the areas we used to hunt, I mean, there's like houses there now, you know, I mean, there's people that have bought these spreads somehow and they've sort of privatized that whole thing, but you used to hunt over there, right? Jay Rush? Yeah. We used to, we hunted there when I was in high school, so. In the 1940s? Yeah. 99, 2000, maybe 2001. We did it two years in a row. Did you guys get anything? Yeah, one year we, I think we had 14 tags and we got 11. Dang. And it was all snowy then, right? Yeah. Because I got a tag, I mean, it was when I was, it was a youth tag over there, but it was hot. So it would have been my... Sophomore year of high school and my junior year. So the last year that I hunted it was 2009 is the year that I got that cow. So it was November 22nd, 2009. Yeah, this would have been, we were way before that. So you were there a lot, way more years before we were. Yeah. We, um, well, it's awesome to hunt in the snow. Oh yeah, you it know, snowed every morning and we would go out and just find the tracks and track them in. And we, we hunted one one butte that had a road all the way around it. So you just follow the tracks in, and if they didn't come out, you were you were in the elk. So, and you couldn't get lost because you knew you had, you know, you were going to hit the road eventually. Well, you weren't supposed to be able to get lost, but I actually did one time. <laughs> I had to, <laughs> had to hitchhike, and, and about three hours later pulled into camp after oh. two different rides from two different people. So. Well, isn't it funny how the snow changes? Even if you've hunted an area for a long time, the snow changes everything. And well, I'm, we, I'm going to say it was bad direction from the adults. Gonna blame, just when throw you get them this, on the bus. Well, no, they said the when you get, don't cross this road. Well, they didn't specify it was a second road. So I got to the first road and I stopped and waited. And after about 45 minutes, walked back and forth looking and everybody else had crossed the road. But by that time, I figured I was too far behind. So I walked out to the main road, and then I got turned around and started walking. And on one of your other podcasts, you talked about the hunter's code and people picking you up. So I got picked up by an old guy and his son um, and taken to kind of the main junction. And then started walking back to camp and then got picked up by a second guy. And he figured out the party I was with, knew where they were at, and then drove me there. And by the time I got to there, it was a like a three-hour push. I got to where they were picking everybody up as everybody was coming out. So it was like a three-hour ordeal of walking down the road. And, Did you yeah. see any elk? No, not a single one. So I, the first time we hunted it, there was no snow. So the first time I went on the, the cow elk trip. Well, I didn't see an elk while it was lost, but we, that was the year we got, I think, 11. 
10 or 11. Dang, that's so, a lot of elk. Yeah, yeah it, wow. was, it was a ton. Yeah, I know that the first time I went on it, it, there was no snow and it was rainy and wet and muddy and just miserable. And so then everybody talked about how great the hunt was on uh, future years. I'm like, I'm never going on that hunt again. You know, I was miserable. So then I was like, okay, let's, it's time to try it again. And that was 2009. Uh, and so... I just remember we drove through the night to get there for opening morning or the day before morning, maybe. Um, and it was just, I had a two wheel drive. Um, I can't remember what it was. I think it was, a could have been a Tahoe. I don't don't remember what it was, but it was two wheel drive. I know that. And, uh, which isn't ideal in, you know, four feet of snow. Yeah. And so I remember having to chain up at one time because we just couldn't get through an area we were trying to get into, but, um, it was a great trip because it fresh powder every day. Like you're getting at when you have that fresh snow, it's like, you see those tracks and you're like, okay, this is fresh. It's pretty obvious. And you could see the, you know, the, the new snowflake in it or not, you know? And my memories of the cow elk hunt is when you're getting close to them, you start smelling them. Oh yeah. And you know that, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And then all of a sudden they're just all around you. Yeah. Bedded down, just brown spots in the, in the snow. So was that, when my dad and uncle were on, they were talking about that uh, those two bulls that they shot together. That had to have been after 2009. Yes, that was a totally different trip. So they had bought, they had put in for their, you know, bull tag for years. And I think that took them seven or nine points or something like that to finally draw Jeez. that tag. And I mean, luckily fill it because I know other guys in our party have gone over there with bull tags and haven't been able to find the, the elk. So when you went on the cow hunt, was it separate from the bull series? Was that still the case? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know when they combined them. Yeah, and so we, um, we've been buying elk points every year for a while, trying to figure out where we want to go, you know, um, which units. We actually drew the Ochico bull tag the year my wife got her heart transplant, which oh. was 2020. And so we drew the tag, but obviously I was – you know, at the hospital with my wife. And actually, she just had her three-year anniversary. Uh, it's the 15th of May, but it kind of spans over both days because the first cut was 15th of May, and she didn't come out of surgery until the 16th of May. So we kind of celebrate that every year as her kind of rebirth. And also, it's kind of a grieving time because you got to think about a person that died so that you could live, you know? So we we grieve for that family every year, and, and we also celebrate that she's going forward and doing everything. But anyway, when we were over there for that procedure, um, we drew our tags. So I called ODFW and said, Hey, you know, I couldn't go, I can't go on this elk hunt. My wife just had a heart transplant and they're like, okay, well just let us know and we'll, we'll restore your points for you. So it's kind of cool. They give you all your points back and that's pretty cool. And we haven't decided what to do with those yet. And we just keep, I, I bought an elk point this year cause I'm an archery hunt and, uh, for elk. Because I know we're going to get our, our buck tags for rifle, so. I'm putting in for that Ochico bull tag right now. <clears throat> I thought about doing doing it for, with, the, with my bow, or, well, Jason's bow that he's let me borrow. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm still up in the air about that. I feel like the elk hunt's got to be pretty good. Well, the biggest bull I've ever seen is in the Ochicos. And I, I think the state record for Oregon still comes at, out of the Ochicos, unless that's been recently broke. But um, I remember deer hunting over there, and I was one of my first couple trips deer hunting. And my dad used to love to hunt. He called them saddles, but just, you know, these little 
ridges, you know, and you just walk through kind of in deer trail areas and we'd sit for a long time and wait and listen. He was just teaching us how to hunt and you'd jump a few does and then you'd sit for a while. And, um, but anyway, we're sitting and all of a sudden this rack just starts coming over the hill, just rocking back and forth. And I'm getting excited because I'm thinking it's something I could shoot at, but it was a big five point bull and he was, somebody had jumped him. So he doesn't see us as we're sitting down. He comes over and he sits down right next to us. I mean, oh, nice. And, and he just beds down, you know, and we can just watch him just kind of hanging out. But he was out of breath, like tongue hanging out and everything because somebody oh, yeah. had jumped him. And and then we were like, Dad was like, well, let's see how close we can get to him, you know. So we start getting in on him and jumped him up again. I'm sure he was so annoyed. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's deer season. These guys are pushing me, you know. <laughs> um, so, but anyway, that was, I'll never forget seeing that elk. I mean, it was as a little kid and you see something that big and just, it just looked like trees in the air, you know, as he was walking over the hill. Yeah. It's so. pretty amazing. The first time you get that close to a bull or a cow. I mean, yeah. Well, they're so huge, but they hide so well. That's what's crazy about elk hunting. Yeah. You know? Well, even in the unit we currently hunt, we're bow hunting and it was just getting dark and we we're coming out and we we're just cruising down this gravel road, we come around this corner and it was a blind corner coming around the edge and this cow's just standing right in the middle of the road and it stood every bit as tall as the top of the windshield on my pickup. And it was just, it was insane. I, that was close as I've ever been. It was 10 yards, but man, it was insane. Yeah, and when you see those moose the first time in Alaska, yeah, that was then cool. you're like, whoa, okay, I thought elk were big, but yeah. these guys are... That's yeah. something pretty special and you see moose all the time. Yeah, God, I love Alaska. Michael, uh, we've talked about you on the show a few times and you want to get into archery hunting. Can you tell us why you want to do archery hunting? Uh, well, first of all, it just seems fun. And also, like, I just don't like the kick of weapons and stuff. And I just think I would prefer a bow more. Yeah, you like the idea of being closer and practicing. So he's been talking about doing that and saving his money and investing in a bow and be something we could do together and I can help him get started. Heck yeah. Um, you could be a freeloader like Dylan and just borrow one. Yep. Sell yours and then just ask then somebody else it. for one. And then you could sell it to that person and then borrow it back. Yeah. I, yeah, that is That's true. really a good life strategy in general. It's always better, especially with boats, it's better to have a friend with a boat than yeah. to own yeah. your own. You know? We'll buy it then get your money back from your friend. Sell it to your buddy. And yeah. then just say, hey, you want to go fishing? That's what you do. That's how you sell it. Just be like, hey, I'm, I'm free this weekend. Yeah. So. Or, hey, I don't have a bow to hunt but with But let's this be year. real, Jason, you were never going to hunt with it. What do you, ha yeah. what do you have, Jason? I, you'd it's have my, to ask Dylan. He's the one that built it. Old Bear, Bear Wild. Oh. Yeah. Old school. Got it for about 300 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Brand new. And you sold it to him? Sold it to him for 550 uh, <laughs> Well, they go up in value. Bows, anything in the hunting space only goes up yeah. in value. I don't know Just like that. when you buy a new car and you take it off a lot, it automatically goes yeah. up in yeah. value. Yeah, and I'm it, learning a lot. I got, you have a really nice sight and a good release. And I, I, there was, I think when I gave it to you, there's five or six arrows. Yeah, there's a couple stuck in my tree. So, yeah, there's so two. You got left. a whole package there. So, you know. That was yeah. a package deal. It wasn't like he sold you a base. Yeah, I didn't just give you a bare bow and say, figure it out, but give me 500 bucks. 
I gave you a good I, yeah. starter pack, even I with the case. I guess I don't know what I have because I, I haven't seen it. In six it months. sounds like it's worth. You should. I think you still owe him money, based what I'm hearing. Yeah, you know, a few more hundred. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Give me and he needs dollars back to John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, with my bow, I put a new sight on it this year, but I haven't gone out and shot it yet. So I got to get it. I'm, I'm excited because, and I tuned it up so it can have a little more knockdown power. My other cousin, Dylan, just ordered a custom Hoyt that he's waiting on. Nice. That they, he's a, a tall guy. And so that's like 34 inch limbs, I think he was telling me. But they told them originally they could do 80 pounds of pull. So that's what he was super excited about. And now, and then they came back and said they can only do 70. Oh, well, my, my Hoyt that I sold to Kyler, um, that was what they set it up first was 80 pounds. And I went to go pull it back, and there's no shot. I was getting it. Yeah. No shot. So they dialed it back. It was like 72, I think, but it was it was awesome. I wish I didn't sell it, but too late. How come you don't want to borrow that one back? He set it all up for himself, and he's way smaller than me. Oh, gotcha. He's shed hunting today, actually. Is he? So, yeah, he finally got out there to do that and took the dogs. and He called me this evening. I didn't answer. Yeah, he's out there shed hunting. Oh, boy. Getting it done. Oh, boy. He said he was burnt out on golf. I said, oh, I wonder break. why, because you only play five days a week, probably. So, yeah. I wonder yeah. why you burn out. Got to take a break every once in a while. Yeah. Well, what else oh, we got? And then on the bachelor party. We need to take both of our rifles and sight those puppies in. Yes, for sure. Because we're getting a little close here. I'm excited to shoot mine. I need to order the turret that came with the scope too. So I've got to get all those. I got to call Loophold and figure out. Because it says when you order the the custom dial that you have to tell them the inches for your sight. And I don't know if that's inches to the bottom of the scope, inches to the middle of the sight. Is that what I would think? I think it's normally the inches of your rings, so how much your rings Which are. They're from thirty that. millimeter rings, so I could convert those to inches. But no, that's the that's how big it is on the scope. It, they mean the rise, the rise from the rifle get, to the scope. Yeah, you can get low rings, medium rings, and high rings. So I imagine that's what they mean. I'm so glad you're here because you, that's why we asked him. I mean, honestly, yes, he's he's the man. He's he's smarter about a lot of things yeah i really do true. feel that way jason you I'm can not, just convince your dad of that yeah yeah no <laughs> no i don't good luck as much as i love to hunt i have never made myself an expert on any of the equipment you know i've just kind of always my my buddy kevin was gracious enough to mount the scope for me and he bore sighted it for me he used to have a gun shop um and from what i can tell he did a really good job and so I'm have you talked about the new gun on here uh, we talked about getting a gun and like dream calibers, but yeah, I went with a six five PRC and uh, put a loophole. Uh, I think it's a VX five HD four by fifteen. So, and it's got the little red dot, you know, illumination light if you want to put a battery in there. I just thought that might be handy for you know, those evening hunts as it's starting to dwindle on the light and my eyes are getting older than they used to be. So I'm excited about it. It's a Bergera. Um, I did a little just research online. It's heavy. It's heavier than I thought it would be. Um, I ordered it online. Oh, and then that whole process. So this is, it's like oh, it's a horrible, it's like a six month process in Oregon. So you, you ordered the gun. Where'd you get it through? Sportsman's. Yeah, I did. I, I actually got a Bergera in a 300 Win Mag. 
and then ordered a 308 for my son and never ended up getting that rifle. Just never got it. It came in, but the whole background check process went to, to heck, and I just said, forget it. Yeah, so I, I ordered the gun, and it came to the store, and then they call you, and they're like, okay, you can come touch your gun and see your gun, and then we're going to start the background check process, and it's going to be 60 to 90 days or 120 days or whatever. They give you a timeline, and it was, I'm going to say February that um, that happened, and I just got the gun in May. Sounds right. And then at about the 60-day mark, your stuff expires, I think, after 30. And so then you got to go yep. do the background check stuff again a second time. And then and then their their system changed because they're getting ready for this measure 114, I think. Yep. And so they um, they had to switch their whole system out. So, Hey, do you know why John gets through it so fast? I, I don't know. It, it's it literally like... 38 seconds for John yeah. to buy a gun. I wonder if it's because his last name is different and there's not a lot of them. I, the only things I can think of is a unique name or the fact that he buys so many guns. Because I would imagine when you go to a... When they go to do the background check on you, it would only make sense, but it's the government, so maybe it's not the case, that they would only have to check from right now until the last time they checked you. Yeah. But I, Probably. There's another guy that works with us, Dwayne, who doesn't buy guns as often as John, and he's the same way. He gets it quick. Like, That's he's weird. instantaneous. It must be like, you know, how when you fly sometimes and you have that pre-check marked for you, you're just yeah. one of those lucky people or something, or I don't I, know. I don't know the last time John had to wait. Has he ever had to? No, I've never once have heard of him needing to wait. So before this, the Measure 114 started... I used to be, I mean, I think the longest I've waited is five minutes. Well, I heard when Measure 114 passed, they had like, Sportsman's has like 40,000 guns in their in their back because they just had this huge backlog and it was just unbelievable. Everybody just wanted to go. So that's when I bought my two guns. So the 308 was Lincoln's Christmas present and that didn't happen. So and, I, I may have acquired one. Well, and the measure one fourteen thing too. I mean, all it really did was limit your magazine size. For, isn't that all that happened? I mean, you went to where you can't have a mag over ten. No, rounds? it's it's changing the the whole way that you buy a gun. Oh, it you're gonna that have too. to you're gonna have to go take a, a course. Oh, that they had no no parameters on, um, and they were gonna put it into effect with. The state police having no idea what the course was even going to be, so that's why like a got, shooting course before you can even buy any gun. It, it was kind of a catch twenty two because you were supposed to go to the the way I understood it, you were supposed to go to a police station and show them that you were proficient in using a gun. But if you've never owned a gun, how are you supposed to show them that? And you were supposed to bring a gun to show them. Which they couldn't acquire. They weren't going to provide the gun for you to show them. So there was really no way, unless you already previously owned a gun, to, to do it. So Yeah, and we don't talk politics generally on here, but I would say anytime you're messing with gun rights, it's not a good idea. You know, I mean, I'm not a person that wants an assault rifle with a huge clip or whatever, so like that part of it didn't bother me. But... I the reason I'm opposed to it is 
I think anytime you start messing with our gun rights as Americans, you're, you're messing with something you shouldn't mess with, you know? Yeah. Um, even when they put in the background check process to fix the gun show loophole, um, to where you had to do background checks on private transactions, I thought it was strange. Um, for instance, if your gun broke and you wanted to keep elk hunting and you didn't have a gun big enough and I had an extra, I technically can't let you borrow it without a background check. Just unless, to borrow a gun. Unless I'm there with you every, you know, every minute that you have it. Hmm. So it seems seems really strange to me. Yeah, that seems odd because as families, there's a lot of families that share different hunting guns for different situations. Well, I think if you're related, there's there's caveats on if you're related, you know, fathers and sons, nephews, cousins, things like that. But if you're just like your, your hunting partner, you know, a lot of us have a guy that we go with, you'd almost consider a brother. Um, but yeah, you can't, you can't legally borrow guns back and forth. So I didn't know that. Yeah. We had a genealogy guy come to Rotary this last week and tell us about, he was from the genealogy society and we're all pretty much related to each other. Like in some capacity, like maybe 10th cousin removed or whatever, but most of us have some sort of, Oh yeah. He goes, they can test a room of like say 50 people and like 42 of them are going to have some sort of relation connection. Yeah. So that's interesting, but I'm saying we're all related. So there we go. There's our loophole on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if the, I don't know if that'll work, but yeah, let's do it. Let's run it. So, Um, I did miss probably like four minutes of that conversation. I was checking out my sports bets. Sorry about that. How did those go for you? I'm still, I'm still in it. Still in it. Yeah, what John you, what, just John just lost one. What are you betting on? Bet on a lot of golf today. Um, PGA Championship. Um, Who are you backing? Old Phil Mickelson or no? Brooks Kepka. Oh. I don't know if I'm supposed to. I don't know how sports betting works. It's my third day, <laughs> so I don't know if I'm just jinxing myself every time I talk about it. But I think it's a pretty gentle. Like they basically, here's how it works: you put money in an account. Typically, they take your money, and mm-hmm. then you put more money in that account, and they keep taking. And they're it's, doing a good job of like it right now. Kind of like the casino. That's yeah. the yeah. same thing. Well, they're doing a good job of it. Is they're, all I'm saying. They're pretty good at setting those lines so that you don't win. But every well, once in a while, John hit a couple good ones. Yeah, you can get lucky. Yeah. There's no doubt, and I'm sure there's people that make a living on it, but not me. Probably not a good lifestyle choice. Uh, you should just keep borrowing as a hobby. Bows. Yeah, That's probably a- yeah. I'm gonna sell it to somebody else. I think now. I need more money for my sports bets coming up. You're just, just gonna try to sell it back to me? Yeah, it's already yeah, yeah. getting out of hand. Yeah, yeah, it's out of hand. It's out of control. Yeah. Oh, Michael's in the market for a bow. Yeah, there you go, Michael. Michael, I'll do you a deal, a hundred bucks. I'm probably in debt. Yeah, what did he? What did you buy today? So he came out and helped pick up sticks with me, and he set his rate for me of what I could pay him hourly. So he goes, Dad, I'm going to work for you for two hours, but I need thirteen fifty an hour because I need twenty seven dollars to be able to buy a pair of Viper sunglasses. Yeah, and because uh, all of his baseball buddies are wearing Vipers, and did uh, you get the real ones or the fake ones on Amazon? Are we talking the pit fake vipers? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think we got fake ones because we couldn't find the real ones. How do you get the real ones? You, you no gotta clue. go. Yeah, they they gotta be more expensive than we'll what we get. Pay. Jake yeah. on here. Yeah. Jake will tell us. 
Yeah. So you have about 48 pairs. They on. look like my dad's old safety glasses that they paint a little something on. Yeah. yeah. I think that's all they are, to be honest. Yeah. Just recycled them. Yeah. yeah. It was Somebody a good found use a bunch in a warehouse. But anyway, he worked yeah. pretty hard for a couple hours and he ordered his uh, Amazon Vipers. Um, I wanted to set his rate at 10 bucks an hour and he wasn't that's having it. a good it. negotiation. Yeah. He said 1350 for an 11-year-old is the going rate these days. Hey. Got to do what you got to do. It's got to be getting close to minimum wage now, though, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but Inflation. child labor, you can go way lower. <laughs> way lower, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well. Um, that's an interesting conversation. Do you remember your first job and what you got paid, Sam? An hour? I mean, I I babysat and had a paper route before I had my first job, so I used to babysit for $2 an hour for the neighborhood kids. And, you know, when parents would go out to dinner or whatever, and I would watch the kids and feed them and keep the house clean and all that for two bucks an hour. And then I delivered newspapers every day, uh, Monday through Saturday. And that paid me about 110 bucks a month uh, on my route. Uh, My brother had a paper route too. And then once I turned 15, back in those days, you had to get a work permit. So I went and got a work permit to try to work at a grocery store. And then Safeway, I got all the way through the interview process. And then they were like, you're only 15? Our age minimum is 16. So then I started working at a little market we had here in North Albany. And my minimum wage at that time was $4.25. Good night. So. I think I started at 14 on a farm. And I think it was 6 or 6, like 15 an hour. And then our boss would give us raises, so we thought we were doing good. And then we found out that he'd give us a raise, and then like a month later they raised the minimum wage, so he's going to have to do it anyway. But it made us feel good that he was giving us. A I raise. mean, still <laughs> back then in the seventies to make six fifteen an hour—that's pretty yeah, good. That's good. It was good. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, you were out pacing me, and I started way later than you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When was that though? For real, ninety-eight. 98. I think. Yeah, okay. that's a great year. The nineties were a great, great decade in general. Yeah. Ninety-eight. Is that when you were born? Yeah, I was graced. Ooh. I graced you guys with my presence that year. You're welcome. Yeah. I knew something was off that year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was on a farm, so we didn't get any overtime either. So it was a straight time. Mine was 12. 12 bucks an hour? Yep. Yeah, that job. was like two years ago because, I mean, you yeah, didn't work until fair. then. Well, when I got to 10 bucks an hour, I thought I had arrived. I was like, man. I made it. Yeah. <laughs> And now you go to Taco Bell or Burger King and you'll spend... We went to Five Guys Burgers and Fries and we got burgers. I think so, you can just say Five Guys now. Oh, can you? Yeah. So, so we got bur- <laughs> burgers, fries, and milkshakes. And guess how much for the family of four? Oh, oh that's 75 easy. Almost. It was like 67. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say about 60. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a lot on oh, fast yeah, food. Can't. Yeah. Well, you can work at Taco Bell for 19 an hour, I think. Yeah, depending Be on the manager. city. Some of them, are, I think sometimes I see like $21 an hour. We're hiring 21 bucks an hour. Sign I think about it. Yeah. Sign me up. I'll work weekends. Yeah. City doesn't pay me enough, Jason. What are you going to do about it? It's not my department, buddy. I know. <laughs> Michael, what are, you, what are your goals for your first job? What do you want to do when you get to that first one, not your like career job? An engineer. Engineer is your career job. A beginning. A beginner. Yeah. Yeah. Me. An intern. Yeah. He can an do my intern job. in engineering. That's a good that's a good good goal. I like it. Heck yeah. 
he's seen what my profession has done to me and he knows he wants no part of it. Smart I mean, move. but if you're a true engineer, you're going to be sitting at a desk a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Are you okay with that? I mean, you're kind of an online gamer, so you're used to sitting at a desk and playing video games. Probably. Yeah. What about a professional gamer? Throw that in the mix. I wish. He, th- he thought Maybe about Maybe if we could get good internet. Oh, yeah, he yeah. keeps pushing practice. for me for Elon's internet because we have CenturyLink, mm. which is a DSL line. <laughs> and uh, it is a little slow for all streaming at the same time. We have to tell the kids to stop while we're trying to work. But <laughs> come on, just. Well, he's trying to work too. That, he's got e- a goal. that Elon internet's 100 bucks a month. What's your CenturyLink? Way less than that, like 52. It's half that price. I told him if he wanted to pay the other half. We could get it. We're waiting. Actually, my brother moved across the street from me, so I'm waiting for him to get it. Yeah, and they're, then, they're complaining about the internet, and they've lived in that house for like a month at the max, and they're just complaining. And I'm like, I've lived here for five years. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, but then the nice thing about that, if they get it, maybe we can. it'll be strong enough. We can, you know, I don't know how that satellite internet works. but Pick some up, log yeah. in. Yeah, hey, what's like your I password? Maybe hit his Wi-Fi from my house. You yeah. Know? So I don't know. If Elon, if you're listening, don't shut him down. Send yeah. us to space. Or just give us a sponsorship. We'll talk about it. Yeah. We love Teslas. Yeah. <laughs> we will drive one of those cyber trucks yeah. out in the woods. <laughs> oh, man. So. You guys want a Tesla? Use promo code Outdoor Adventure Podcast at checkout. See, the promo codes are going to be OAP. See? OAP10, oh, yeah. OAP20, you know? Yeah. Do you have any promo codes? You know, we just got a little uh, situation going with Beretta oh. where, like, if someone buys through the Beretta website, then we'll get a little piece of that action to help support the Outdoor Adventures Podcast. You have nice. to go through our link, though. Yes, right? you have to go through our link. And then if you buy Beretta Apparel, or I don't think you can probably buy a Beretta shotgun online. Probably be challenging from their site. I think you have to go to like a retailer for that. But you can get some clothing. Or can you not buy from them directly? I, I think that goes all retail. But you can buy all the accessories oh. from their website. So. And there's another one too, isn't there? Some knife. Yeah, one? there's a knife one, but I don't have all the details on that yet. All right, we'll wait on that one. And hopefully, this podcast can be brought to you by Vipers Pit Vipers. Yeah. I like that. Or Teslas. Yeah. Whichever one. We're just throwing it out there. Anyone that cares. Yeah. What do you think, Michael? Who should sponsor this riveting content? Jeff Bezos. There you go. Yeah, Amazon. That's a good one. Yeah, just go for Amazon. Straight up. Yeah. I order a lot of Amazon stuff. Get your fake pit vipers today. <laughs> Fresh what about pay. What about some Wish.com? Yeah, yeah, you know, I do shop on there from time to time. Got my first Why? scope on this gun. Pay $1 for an Apple Watch. Oh, it's plastic. <laughs> hey, mine showed up. It was real. What did you get? What kind of I scope? Got a, you say I, it's real, but... What kind of scope ring. can came you buy? It box. was a loophole? Yeah. A came loophole in the box, on had paperwork on it. It was a gold ring. No way. It was a 3 by 9 um, Worst scope I've ever had <laughs> by far. Without a doubt, no shot at loophole at all That's on that. That's the it reason was, it was on Wish. Possibly was the gold ring hand painted? No, it, it was straight up. It just wasn't the right size fit for the gun I have. Yeah, I thought in my head since we do a lot of blacktail hunting, 
all my shots are going to be real close. Not a single time since I've had this gun has a shot been within 250 yards. Not a single time. Yeah, blacktail hunting is not what it, people think it is as far as the whole lever action 30-30, you know, get yeah. it done. The it way you be. hunt. I mean, you guys, <laughs> your glass and some pretty long, you know. Yeah, and I, you know, I probably should have thought of that. I've never <laughs> so, been the... The circumstance yeah. that you're hunting in. So that was my goal for this new rifle is to be able to go out 500. That's my goal is to be able to shoot 500. Not that I really want to, but I want to have the ability to do it and know that I can get there. Yeah. I want to be comfortable at six with mine, but I want to be comfortable at six target mm-hmm. and then infield probably touching five. But I think no far- farther than five and I would like to be under. Yeah. I like them as close as I can get them. And yeah, even then, 48 yards would be they got a pretty good sporting chance with me. I mean, 17 I, yards. I mean, yeah, I'll go for that. That's perfect with your pop, your pump, uh, 30 out six. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Here we go. I had to bring it up. I, I know. Mean, it's, it does need to be talked about. Yeah. A I mean, J Rush is it's famous a for this. Yeah. T- talk to us about the your hunting rifle. Tell us about, you know, give <laughs> so us some it's specs. A, it's a Remington 7600 pump 30 out six. You don't see a lot of those around. Not around here. It's about 48 pounds. It, it does weigh quite a bit. Like you can barely hold it up to your shoulder without falling over flat on your face. It's it's brought home the meat. <laughs> I mean, I can't argue with that. It had, so, it's killed I mean, a few things for it, sure. It might have had a bad gut shot in the unit that we, we hunt. It did do that. On From 58 feet, I think. Uh, your dad says it's like six feet. I yeah. Mean, Every it time gets you, shorter. Every oh. time you talk to him, it it's a shorter distance. Because I think when it right when it happened, I think it was in the fifties, and now it's we're in single digits. Yeah, it's like the reverse <laughs> of a normal hunting yeah. or fishing story. It just gets well, yeah, worse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do have to admit, he was yelling at me to shoot it in the head, and mm-hmm. it did end up in the guts. So that is a uh, standard. Uh, we've talked about your dad a lot and uh, about him yelling to shoot. Yeah. Like I, when I listen back at some of our other episodes, you're always like, my dad was over there going, shoot that thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, and then the other thing, which I found out later on is, so it was, it was me, my friend James with your dad. And then my dad and my uncle were there and you'd already left that year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I shoot the deer. It's obvious. It's a gut shot. And he goes, I'm going to go see if I can find your dad and your uncle to give us a hand these guys are in their 70s so there's no way they're giving us a hand he just didn't want to deal with the guts at all yeah that and so out. he drove like he didn't even a little ways back. down the road yeah. and stopped and waited mm-hmm. until there was plenty of time and then he came back oh yeah i couldn't find him yeah so we've good. talked about him a lot just and him shooting's unbelievable first of all you don't even get a chance to yell at him to shoot Oh, he's fast. By the time that that deer is seen, that gun is going off. I don't understand how he can do that. Yeah, he's quick. Uh, I, I've learned that you want to go quick, too. I mean, if I you don't want to think about it too much, you want those instincts and you know to take over, and that usually is a better outcome. Yeah. I had one shot my first year over there, my worst year ever with a rifle, and every deer we, we saw, I had plenty of time to get set up and do everything, wait for deer to stand up or just take a couple steps. And before this, I was pretty blessed. They were always wide out, right out in the open, perfect shot, close. 
all these shots were pretty far and just challenging, new. And I just kept missing and missing and missing. But as I was sitting there watching this deer through the scope, I could just feel my breath and the heartbeat pick up. And it was just, it was unbelievable. The buck fever that I can get in a short period of time is unmatched to anybody. I never used to have it ever until that antelope hunt. That was my first time ever. And I don't know if it was fatigue or just that desire to fill that tag. You know, as it was a 15 year tag that just took over. And man, I just would get, I'd get that whole, yeah. yeah. you know, you didn't get it on blade. On that encounter, the first encounter, I was just shooting bad that day. I I don't I can't explain Blade. I'm, he, it was just a weird hunting trip for me in general. My I could not shoot well for whatever yeah. reason. Well, even but I that, wasn't nerves. But even that, like you weren't shooting bad that day because we put my hat up. I know, and you shot two shots that touched each other from a hundred yards. I know. I have no. I I can't explain it. But it wasn't buck fever. I wasn't nervous. I, part of it is I didn't want to shoot him. So in the morning when I first saw him, I was like, ah, oh, I don't want to take that buck, you know? And I, you know, he was actually a better buck than I thought he was, yeah, but he just he looked really kind nice of spindly buck. because of the way his antlers were. And Well, where he was standing first, too, it was hard to get a judge, like a good judgment off of him. Yeah, until he was, until that time I, he was cresting over the hill and I saw him from behind, that's when I was like, oh, that was actually a good buck. I yeah. should have probably. So like I've noticed like if my heart's not in trying to take an, an animal, I'm not going to take a good shot. You know, just like that first archery shot too, where the they were on the run and it was that little spike and I just wanted to, but then you guys were like, yeah, shoot him, shoot him, you know? And I was like, I don't really want to shoot this thing. You yeah. Know? So I, I tend to miss if I'm not really wanting to take the animal. Yeah. We just need, yeah, we need to get better at that too. I mean, those deer deserve that longer, longer lifespan. Even with the bow, I mean, we, you haven't killed a deer with your bow yet, right? Not yet, no. So, yeah, we just, even with not being able to, kill, like, we're having the opportunity to uh, harvest a deer yet, like, letting those deer go isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah. You know? Just I, save I, it for that, that one time. When I'm at that place it. now where I'm good with that. I Letting a small buck walk and live another year. The hard part during rifle season is there's so many other hunters that you're like, well, if I don't shoot him, somebody else is going to. Yeah. You know, and that desire to bring home some meat. But I... I'm still going to be okay with that. This next season, I'm I'm not taking a small buck. I've killed two fork and horns in the unit we hunt in, um, and I'm not. There will not be anything with less than a three point antler, and uh, unless it's an old reverted fork, you know. Yeah. But. Well, and I was even thinking too, like my my goal because we have this we have a bet over there for this next year. Um, you have a what we are calling a guide. John's your your guide. Um, I'm going with my little cousin Jacob, and then my dad's and my wife drew the tag. My dad's going to have uh, my wife, and I was thinking about the buck that I wanted Jake to shoot, and we have a couple really nice ones that's come out of this unit. And I'm like, oh, that's it, that's the one. But then you look at some of the like my three point or my uncle's shot a a, a nice four point, but it was a little younger. It's hard to know. Like if I saw that thing. In the moment, am I going to be able to tell him not to shoot it? Yeah. That's the thing that I feel like I want to get way better at. I went to my brother's house for his son's birthday, and he's got his big four-point hanging up on his new chimney in his house. And that thing is huge. (laughs) It looks so giant. And I'm just – and I'm not, again, a trophy hunter. 
It doesn't have to be a giant, but you do the amount of meat that you get on a little bit older deer is so much, yeah. you know, more worth it. And so I'm, I'm excited this year to go after something bigger and, you know, I plan on hunting the whole season if need be. Um, I plan on bringing the kids over for the first few days and then my wife's going to meet us in Bend and, um, yeah. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. It's going to, that's going to be a fun trip. I'm really excited. Really looking forward to that hunt. Yeah, and we're going to bring all this equipment, too, and do, like, a daily update was our, our thought, just, like, what transpired on the day. So We'll be over there for, like, 13 However days. long the season is. I think it's, I don't remember. Unless, it's, a, it's a long season. Unless we yeah. all get tags. I'm actually looking like forward to, like, the, 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 I haven't been over there, you know, for a longer period. I usually go, like, a Friday to Tuesday kind of thing or a Friday to Wednesday. I'm looking forward to those later days when the, some of the weekend crowd dissipates and you have less people to compete with. Well, that's when we've always noticed that pickup there too. It's that when Wednesday hits that next weekend is phenomenal for some reason. Don't know why I, it could just be from the traffic or whatever, whatever the case would be for that. But, um, yeah, those last part of the season, it gets really special. And when you've got that pressure to get home, it's like you want to feel it. That motivates you to fill the tag sooner too because you're like, okay, I've got to get something during this. And yeah. I, I like the idea of being able to go. I've never been on a hunt without that pressure that I knew I was leaving at a certain time. You know, right. So if I don't put that pressure on myself, then I feel like I can be a little bit more patient. Yeah. Did wait. you have that on your antelope hunt? Did you have a certain amount of time? Well, no, I didn't. Uh, so I had told my wife leading up every year, I would never let her book a vacation during the antelope season because I'm like, this is going to be the year. You know, this is going to be the year. And so I told her, I'm going to stay over there as long as I need to stay over there to get one. But then it's 100 degrees and fires and all that going on over there. We were tired by the time I got mine. And it was only, what, second Monday. or third day, I think. Monday. Yeah, third so day. it was it was pretty quick. Uh, actually... I had memories come back today as I was doing my burn pile because we're, my sheep that I have on my property, they're kind of like a, they almost look like a bighorn sheep. They're Icelandic sheep, but they're kind of a more rustic. And it reminded me their beds next to like the stumps and rocks in my pasture look like antelope beds. Oh, nice. And when we were over there, the kid that was hunting with us, he showed me kind of how you measure a big belly, big billy, he called them billies, you know, for a, a male pronghorn uh, buck, was their bed. Because oh. you could see how big it was by how much rubbing it was doing huh. and how big of a, you know, how big he, he was in general because he had to dig deeper if he was a bigger animal. So That would be a cool guy to get on here. Oh, he'd be great. Yeah. He's a super nice yeah. guy. So oh, yeah. Might have to take the podcast on the road. I think so. I don't think we we're going to get him out of his territory for no. sure. but. He killed the bear for the first time uh, in the Ochicos in uh, his whole life. You know, it's just they never see him. He's killed plenty of cougars and coyotes and deer and elk. And Well, on animals. their land, it's not what you would anticipate seeing a bear on. Bear country, no, not at all. It's too high elevation. Um, but anyway. Well, I think we've gone on long enough. So, uh, Jay Rush, thanks for coming on. Yeah. It's it good fun. seeing you. Michael, thanks for being here. You didn't say much, but you had some good points when you did. Do you want to say goodbye or anything to anybody? Give a shout-out to any of your buddies 
They're probably they probably listen to our podcast. I'm sure all your friends are big listeners. No. No, they're not. <laughs> yeah, hard hit. One of my friends, he's like, I don't like podcasts based on hunting stuff, and then he listened to it, and he's like, this podcast is amazing. But yes. I, I don't think he's ever going to listen to it. Hey, converting listeners, I like it. Yeah. You know, go from naysayers to our biggest fans. So I'm talking about. Thanks for being here, Michael, and being patient. Dylan, I'm back. I'm glad you're over COVID. I was really worried about you. You like ghosted us for a few days, and we thought something was really wrong. Yeah, I'll just so. give you a tip though: the easiest way to not test positive for COVID, just don't test. That's a good point. I technically didn't. Okay, well there you go. But you didn't have it then. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I didn't have COVID. It was the flu. I was just around a lot of COVID patients. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of positive tests were yeah. surrounding you. Yeah, but I didn't have it. Well, I'm just happy the baby. Really, the only one I worried about was the baby. So I'm happy the baby weathered it, and now she's yeah. probably got some good immunities. So yeah, oh yeah, she does. You guys won't have to worry about that for about seven months. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's a good time frame. I'll take it. All right. See y'all. See ya.